Brave. Outspoken. Conservative. We are Ladies Raised Right. We're your co-hosts. I'm Olivia. And I'm Anouk, and we're dismantling the left's agenda one lie at a time. You can find us on all socials at Ladies Raised Right or on Twitter at LadiesRR. Any additional information and merchandise can be found at ladiesraisedright.com. Okay, before we dive into today's episode, um, we want to say that our thoughts and prayers are with Oxford High School in Michigan right now um, as the recent school shooting took place. What happened was really unfortunate, and um, our thoughts and prayers <laughs> go out to the families affected by this. Yeah. So, on that note, <laughs> kicking off this week's episode, we're going to talk about oil, um, just as a generality of a broad topic, and then we'll start to kind of dive into some of the subtopics. Yeah, so I guess one of the things that I found interesting when we were researching about this is, and I'm going to link this to our website, um, but there's a macro trends chart where you can actually look at like the oil prices broken out by who the president was, or just broken out by years or decade. So we have seen a high oil price for Barack Obama and Joe Biden's presidency, yet conveniently under Trump's presidency, the oil price was very low. (laughs) Right. And this can be seen easily according to the World Trade Index. The barrel is currently trading at 66.26 as of today, December 3rd. Uh, In 2020, the average barrel traded at 41.96. That's like 150% of what it was trading a year ago. Um, you cannot say that this is not related to the current president. Yeah, or that this even has to do with COVID. Um, Like a lot of people were arguing because even at the beginning of Trump's presidency, the oil prices were much, much lower than we are seeing right now. Right. And there's three states um, that mainly are producing oil, which are Texas, which is the main one, New Mexico and North Dakota. And Texas actually produces 1.78 1.78 billion barrels, or they have produced 1.78 billion barrels in 2020. And then North Dakota was far behind with 431.2 million barrels. So it's just crazy to think about how much oil is actually in Texas. And like, right, the majority is straight from Texas, which makes sense geographically. Yeah, it's a big state. It is. Um, and like the oil jobs are really good for unemployment because a lot of people in Texas and North Dakota and New Mexico have gotten jobs because of the oil industry. So their economic income and economic output are growing. Right. So let's talk about the Keystone pipeline that Biden closed. So (laughs) they shut this down. Um, According to Forbes, and quote, the 1,670-mile Keystone pipeline would have moved more than 80,000 barrels a day of crude oil from Alberta's oil stands to refineries to the U.S., Midcoast, Oklahoma, and Texas. So this project could have created 11,000 jobs and would have created $2, or $2 billion in wages um, by some estimates. So this pipeline got shut down. Uh, I don't disagree with the fact that we maybe shouldn't have pipelines, but I disagree with the fact that we don't have any other source for this. So now we're putting all of our energy sources coming from other places like Saudi Arabia and the Middle East and Russia. Yeah. And one thing I'd like to note about Keystone shutting down, um, there, I was told by one person that the president doesn't have the power to shut down these jobs and oil lines. So I would like to iterate that, yes, he does. It is called an executive order. And in fact, he did do it. <laughs> exactly. So don't let anyone tell you that. Right. And so... Kind of like I mentioned, that volume moved all to Russia and Saudi Arabia. 
So basically, you put us at the mercy of the Saudi Arabian uh, crown of Prince Mohammed bin Salam and then the Russian president, Vladimir Putin. Like, we are literally at their mercy now because we just decided to shut this down, take away jobs from here, take, decide to take away income from here because uh, some people were like, oh, environmentally, like, this is not a good option for us and, like, we're destroying blah, blah, blah. Like, we're going to get it from somewhere else, so we should probably source from within before we source externally. And it's going to be worse for the environment to source externally because they're going to have to use um, larger means of transport to get it over here rather than if we were just shipping it within the country. Exactly. So good job, Biden. <laughs> good job. So like, not only are we still using oil, we're still not have to ship it in. We're getting it from our basically our enemies, if you want to call it that, because I think that's the best way to put it. Because they are we're not best friends with Russia or Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. <laughs> so now we're putting money in their pockets. We're taking their resources, and if they decide to cut us off, we don't have a backup option. Like we're fucked. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yep. So. Really, it would be more beneficial if we just drilled for oil in our country. Um, definitely shouldn't be a long-term solution, but for now, when not everyone has access to an electric car or a Tesla or anything, it is a solution. Exactly, which kind of drives into the next point. So electric cars have been, quote-unquote, the solution. Um, I disagree with this statement because most people just are vapid and decide to ignore the fact that Electricity has to come from somewhere, and electricity isn't all clean. <laughs> so, most electricity is created based off of burning fossil fuels, actually. Yeah, so the Democrats love to talk about how we need to follow the science, but they conveniently don't follow the science when it comes to things like fossil fuels. <laughs> like, let's take three seconds. Where do we think electricity for our homes comes from? Hmm. Hmm. Like... What, what 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 area do you think? Do you just think it just like falls from the sky and it's like randomly like 100% like solar and wind power and we're not. Like as a country, we're not there yet. So like no. electricity for your home, according to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, about 60% of the energy produced in the U.S. is created off of fossil fuels or electricity, sorry. And then 20% is nuclear and then 20% is renewable. And then if you break down renewable... Um, you're going to have wind coming in at about 8%, hydro at 7%, and then finally solar is only hitting in at like 2%. Yeah, so we're not really seeing a difference at all here. That's like no. substantial. Exactly. Um, there's a lot of like different like ways you can look at it too. Um, the EPA like goes as far, <laughs> EPA, right, Environmental Protection Agency, they have this whole sheet on Mythbusters on how they're like trying to bust all these myths on electric cars. Um, most of them, like, they give the fact of, like, what the myth is, and then they try to, like, bust it, right? But the bust is, like, no specific data. It's, like, this comparison <laughs> chart that's, like, well, it's, like, this car versus, like, that car. Like, basically, let's compute, let's, co- let's compare, like, a gas-guzzling diesel truck versus, like, a brand new, like, electric small car. Like, there's no, like, good data in this comparison. It's just trying to get people, like, to believe that we're doing great things with these electric cars, which are well-intended, like, again, don't get us wrong, yeah. we're not against clean energy and, like, environmental, like, <laughs> forwardness, but when we're doing it at the cost of the environment still, and we're trying to pretend that it's not, like, we're just, like, it's like a shit sandwich, and we're trying to pretend it's not. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, basically, they're just comparing how fast a cheetah could run to how fast a human could run. Exactly. Uh, that's how legitimate these research projects are. Um Further, we would, we're probably going to have to do another episode on the environment and how America is always blamed for these things when, like, why isn't China pushing these changes or Russia? 
Like they have, obviously they have no problem. Russia, as an example, has no problem drilling for oil in its country. So, but America is always at fault and we're the ones that have to change. We're taking all the blame while other countries are doing far worse than we are and we're not reaping any of the benefits. Yep, exactly. It just is continuously at the American expense. So like we're taking like all the burden of being blamed for creating all these energy problems, which (laughs) don't get me wrong, America is big on consumption, but we're not the only ones doing it. And... So is China, India, Russia. (laughs) So if you want to impose, like, all these great environmental, like, reforms and all this stuff, like, then you need to be able to get everybody to buy in or you need to, like, find a different way to do it. Because if you don't get everybody buy in, one person's going to be cleaning as the other person's making a mess. And it's just, like, picking up your house after a toddler who's making a disastrous mess and you're not teaching him how to clean up. You pick up one thing and then there's another mess somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really get you anywhere. So... We thought it would be kind of fun to look into these myths and debunk some of them using the facts and logic that liberals like. Exactly. <laughs> so the EPA states that there's not a lack of charging stations, which is like a common misconception, quote unquote, that they think that there would be about electric vehicles. So there's like 45,000 electric vehicle stations that you can charge your car at. Which sounds like a lot until you hear that there are 150,000 gas stations where you can fill your car up with. Uh, gas and fuel so that's a third and that's assuming like that these are evenly distributed across the country like we don't have a map to look at so we can't speak super well on this but my assumption is that most of these are concentrated in areas like california and like all the areas new that york are really big on pushing electric yeah. vehicles so like if you're in the middle of like bumfuck indiana you're probably <laughs> not gonna find an electric charging station for your car yeah and that's even saying like how many charging stations are there at these places like what if they're all filled up and it's just like oh crap now I have to wait 12 hours for this car to be done charging right like I lived in probably 10 almost 10 different apartments over the last six years and only one apartment offered a charging station for an electric vehicle yeah and I guess like I've seen them in parking garages driving through and even when I see them it's like only for one or two cars not that many can fit there exactly so it's like unideal and then like how long does it take to charge an electric car (laughs) so According to this site, um, the EPA.gov, it can take about 30 minutes, as low as 30 minutes, to as long as 12 hours. Um, So the 30 minutes is if you have a small battery and it's not completely empty. But if you're doing a, like, cross-road, cross-country trip, you're going to, like, be low on, or your battery is going to completely empty out, so it's going to be, you're going to have no battery. And then you're going to have to coordinate it so you find a place where you can charge your car. And then that's going to take all night. Whereas at a gas station, you can go two minutes. <laughs> and fuel up. All you got to do is empty out your trash in your doors and your fuel's already full. Like, it's pretty quick. Yep. It's definitely a convenience thing. Yeah. So until they have, like, a better solution, this doesn't really, like, solve the problem. Yeah. And every single exit, like, always has at least three gas stations. Yeah. There's a lot. So I think the oil industry right now is kind of... In charge. Yeah, exactly. Which, again, brings us back to the point of we should not be getting rid of oil until we have a better solution for electric, because obviously we don't. Yeah. And how much does a Tesla even cost? Can normal people (laughs) afford that? (laughs) Not really. I don't think so. I think it's kind of like people, like, kind of like, it's kind of a flex if they're driving a Tesla, because, like, it's definitely more expensive. Yeah. So a Tesla is about $100,000. Buy Tesla? I can't buy nope. Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> my car right now isn't even. No, that's like much. a few of my cars. <laughs> and I have a nice car. Yeah. yeah. So that makes it like unaffordable. It's not convenient. 
Especially, yeah, for the middle class, which is what all of Joe Biden's presidency, like his policies now are going to be driving out the middle class. So they're definitely not going to be able to afford it. Yeah. So if you want to continue to tax the rich, then you're kind of screwed because... Yeah. Tax the rich and they're the only ones that can afford these cars. They're the only ones that can afford your new systems. Yeah. But we all hate the rich. So why on earth would we want to do that? We all hate the rich, but we all want to be the rich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So again, like we've mentioned before, don't come for us. We're not saying that clean energy is not the solution. We're just saying that we don't have the right resources to fully convert to this. And we probably shouldn't be cutting off like our own internal supply of oil and things that we have and giving it to people like Vladimir Putin and then giving them total control of our energy supply. We shouldn't be screwing the middle class because of the uber rich wanting to get Teslas and green energy. Exactly. I don't know how many people can afford $3.69 a gallon. Not a lot. It's adding up quickly. It really is. I think my gas prices have like quadrupled in how much I spend in gas on like in a month. Thanks, Biden. Thanks, Biden. <laughs> and on that note, that concludes this week's episode. Thanks for starting your week off right with Ladies Raised, right? Woohoo! Bye. Bye.